0: say disruption Disruption. by design. design. What in the world does that mean? It means exactly that. Disruption by design. So I made a little note here to read this to you, and, and I don't know that I included it in your notes, but it says that today this teaching is about introducing Yahweh's glory into the earth and displacing every counterfeit. Introducing His glory into the earth which then displaces anything that's a counterfeit to His glory. Again, I want to make that plain. We introduce His glory into the earth, and when we do that, we displace, we dispel, we unseat every counterfeit. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 reads like this. It says, So, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do every bit of it to the glory of God. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Now, Father, everybody stand, please. Father, I lift my voice over this people. I lift my voice over this congregation, over the hearer today. Wherever they are in this building online, wherever they might be, if they're listening to this, record, it's recorded later and they're listening to it. No matter where they are, if they're hearing this message, I pray that you will sow this into our hearts, into the heart of every hearer. May we today know what it is, Father, to trust you, to be your glory and to be an expression of it in the earth help us today. Get past our own inhibitions, get past our own fears. Father, in every way, help us to see what it is you see and to have a passion for what you have a passion for. Help us, Father. Help us, Father. Strengthen us, empower us today. You've done that. Let us recognize that empowering. Let us recognize that anointing that is very present in each of us today. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you that the truth of your word will change every heart that has a heart to hear, has an ear to hear, an eye to see. Let it be so today. Let it be so in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. So once again, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Everybody say, do it it. to the glory of God. God. Say it this way. Say, whatever I do, I do. I do I need to do it to the glory of God. We are in every sense of the word, you and I are in every sense of the word, the glory of God in the earth. We are His glory. Put your hands on yourself, say this, say, I am, I am. His, glory. His glory. Now, there might be some putting their hands on themselves, don't feel much like glory. It depends on where you are in your world right now. Some might feel like, man, I, I, you know if you knew what I did this week, you would would not tell me to put my hands on myself and say I'm His glory. Some of you might put your hands on yourself and say I'm His shame. I'm His embarrassment. I'm His pity. I'm His project. I'm His disappointment. You might put your hands on yourself and you might say all that, but I want to tell you this, if you have a heart after God, if you have an ear to hear, the voice of God. If you have an eye that is very curious and wants to see what he wants to show you, I want to tell you, you are not His pity. You are not His disappointment. You are not His shame. And you are not His embarrassment. Oh, but you don't know what I did this week. I don't care to know what you did this week. Please don't tell me what you did this week. I don't want to have to filter through that. I don't need to know where you've been. I don't need to know what you've said. He knows. But what he also knows... Beyond where you've been, beyond what you've said, beyond what you've done, and beyond how you've done it. Beyond that, what he also knows is whether or not you have a heart that's passionate for him. That's right. And when we have a heart that is passionate for him, I can tell you today that you are not one that he's going to say, Poo! You are something that I'm ashamed of. You are one, I pity. You are one of tremendous disappointment. No. When he looks at you, he says, You are an amazing opportunity. Are you perfected yet? No, I got a lot of work to do. But after all, let's consider this there's a reason that he's God. Because he knows that in every single one of us, there's a lot of work to do. He knows that in all of us, there's healing to be done, there's restoration to happen, there's purpose. And He knows that in every single one of us. So again, put your hands on yourself and no matter how you feel about yourself, say this today. And I want you to say it with confidence. Say, I am, I am God's glory, God's glory in, the earth. in the earth. I want you to say it again. That didn't seem confident enough to me. Say it again. Say, I am, I am God's glory, God's glory in, the earth. in the earth. So I'm going to follow that up with saying this. We do not change the earth by supporting the evil in it. We change it by filling it with the glory of God. I can tell you this morning, you're not sitting in these chairs and you did not come to this church. You did not come to this house. You did not come to this meeting. You did not come to this gathering because you believe for some reason that God has no hope for you. You came here. You're sitting in these seats because you believe, even if it's in a minuscule way, somehow you believe that God has purpose for you. There's a part of you that believes no matter where I've been and what I've done, He wants to use me. And I've got great news for you. If you believe that even in a minuscule part of you that God wants to use you, I've got great news for you. You are absolutely right. In fact, in every way, God wants to use you. In fact, I'm going to take it a little bit further than that. It's not just a want, it's a need. God doesn't just want To use you and me. He needs to use you and me. In fact, I'm going to take it past need. We took it past want. We took it into need. We're going to take it past need. And take it into the imperative. It is imperative that we allow Him to use us. Because from the very beginning, that is why you breathe your first breath. Not so that we could have our own way. Not so that we could shame ourselves or feel sorry for ourselves, but so that we could grow up in Him and we can be matured and so that we could demonstrate that He is God and there's no other. We do not change the earth by supporting the evil in it. We change it by filling it with the glory of Yahweh. But how do I do that? In fact, there might be people under the sound of my voice, you might be saying, well, I don't support evil. Well, you do if you're not a shining light on what God abhors. Somebody said, well, I take a neutral stand. There's no such thing. You're either for or you're against. Now, that might rattle a few timbers. Because there might be in this room or online, there might be those that are saying, you know what, I just, I just don't take a stand one way or the other. I just, I just like it over here because it's peaceful, it's quiet, I don't let anybody know that I serve God, and I don't, I don't get involved in the things that are anti-God. I just, I just stay outside. I want to tell you today, that's not the calling. That's not the reason why you're breathing air. That's the, not the reason why you got up this morning. That's not the reason why He let your heart beat again, and then just now again, and then just now again. But you're breathing air and your heart beats every beat. Not so that we can stand aside and we can say, you know what, I'm a believer, but I'm just going to let God handle everything. Amen. Or stand aside and just say, I'm not going to be a part of all of that. And I'm going to do my part by just not getting involved. It's not the way of the, of the Father. And that's not the way of the kingdom. I know this, that in order to disrupt what is in the earth that is contrary to Him... There's a purpose, there's a requirement on you and me to step outside of ourselves and to not be neutral, but to be a sound, to be a visual, to be a testimony, to become a witness. Not the kind of testimony and witness that's walking down the street and hitting everybody on the head and and blasting them and making them feel bad and, and throwing weights of religion on them. Not that kind of witness, not that kind of testimony, but the kind of witness and testimony that's not ashamed. And some of the simplest ways, there's ways to show that we're not ashamed of the gospel. There's simple ways to show that we're not ashamed of the the Father, the God that we serve. There's simple ways. Simply in a restaurant, over your food and saying, Father, I give thanks today. Without wondering, is anybody looking? Who might see me giving thanks? Being in your family gatherings and knowing that 75% of your family abhors God, but you love Him. It's being in a family gathering and knowing that in the middle of all of that, knowing that there's those that might not be comfortable with you praying, and nevertheless you say, I'm going to give thanks for the food. Every Thanksgiving in our house, no matter who's gathered, somebody's praying over that food. Somebody's giving thanks for that turkey and that dressing. We thank God for everything that's on that counter, except for the sweet potatoes. And I continue to try to introduce the glory of God into our thanksgiving so that everything that's not of God, sweet potatoes, is dispelled. (laughs) He's still working on me because last Thanksgiving they showed up. Now, I want to say something about the spirit of the Antichrist. The spirit of the Antichrist isn't just a person that's going to show up in the sweet, sweet by and by at some point in the future. Anything that is anti-God is anti-Christ. You cannot be f- against God and be for Christ. And you cannot be the other way either. <laughs> I just say it that way. You're for both or against both. Because while they're two, they're one. So to take a neutral position and say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be interested in being a demonstration of the kingdom of God, I'm not going to do that, I'm not worried about disrupting things, in fact, the very nature, my nature is to not disrupt, I don't like that, I just, I just want to kind of fit in and nobody know which side of the line I stand on, to do that empowers the Antichrist world agenda. And, and I can tell you today there is an Antichrist world agenda. You can't turn on your television. You can't drive down the street. You can't go to the mall. You can't look at a billboard and not see an Antichrist world agenda. No matter where you're at in the school systems, no matter where there is, where you go, there is an Antichrist world agenda. There is an agenda among us, around us, not just in this nation, but in every nation, to make God silly and to make Christ irrelevant. Is anybody hearing me this morning? No matter where you go. Now we gotta decide what to do with that. I can tell you this. If somebody went, if you're a parent in this room and somebody went to your children and they said to your chil- said about your children to you, said, you know what, you're just unimportant. You don't really matter. You're a mistake. Any parent worth their salt or worth their purpose? We'll get up in the face of that person and say, Let me help you understand something. And depending on who you are, you would help them understand it differently. Every child that's an adult, that has grown up in the home of a good parent, a faithful parent, a righteous parent, if someone were to say to them something evil or negative about their parent, or try to disqualify their parent, that child that's worth their weight, worth their salt, would stand up and say, Let me help you understand something about my mama and about my daddy. I was raised in their house, and I want to tell you everything about them was good. And if there's any good in me, it came because of them. Wouldn't it be also true then the nature of God is? That I can't just stand back and say, say what you want about my mom and dad. Say what you want about my kids. Ah, Sticks and stones may break our bones, but words will never hurt. Words always hurt. The person that said that had no mother and father and no children. The same is true of the father. To take a neutral position to stand back and to say, man, there's the world is attacking my God. The world is attacking my faith. The world is after what I believe in. The world is trying to diminish the purpose and the power and the anointing and the grace and the goodness and the faithfulness and the sacrifice of Christ. They're trying to diminish that. How can I take a neutral stand and stand by and act like that's okay? And most people will take that neutral stand because they're thinking in their own mind exactly what I did years ago, and I've used this so many times, and I'm going to use it again today, and I apologize because it's, it's one of the best illustrations personally that I have. But back when I was a youth pastor and we went to a conference and we were there and and they said, you know what we're going to do tomorrow, we're just going to go let everybody on the beach know about Jesus Christ. And the way we're going to do it is we're going to link arms. Man, we're going to get on that beach and go from water to edge of the shore to the edge of the beach. And we're going to link arms and we're going to walk. And everybody that arms touches, we're going to just wrap around them and we're going to pray for them. We're going to tell them all about Jesus Christ. And I said, I ain't having anything to do with that. That's humiliating. And all that's going to do is make people mad or make them prematurely or without purpose or intent, or without the move of God, say, okay, I repent, only to get you past them. What lasts in that? But I can tell you, it wasn't a position of neutrality that I was going to take by not participating in that link arm nonsense. What it was was a position to say, don't make God foolish. And don't make God silly. There is a better way because none of those people you touch are going to come to the Father unless He first intervenes. So how can we do it differently? We do it by by being His glory wherever we find ourselves. Let's talk about it for just a second. So everybody say this with me. To disrupt something is to alter its normal normal pattern. pattern. Man, let's say that again. So if I'm going to disrupt something, and I'm going to do this by design, I'm going to disrupt the normal pattern of whatever's around me. There's an Antichrist spirit everywhere around us. I want to disrupt that pattern. There's a pattern about us. On our televisions, on our movies that we see, the the things that we go to, whatever it is. There's a pattern around us that in every way is diminishing the power of God. Every time we get involved in that thing, we support that thing that is minimizing the power of God by being in the middle of it. Even if we say, well, you know, that's just the way culture is right now. I'm going to talk about culture in just a second. This is a side note. But, oh, that's the way culture is. You know, that's just where we are. The signs of the times, this is just where we are. You know, this, you can't go anywhere without all that being there. But every time we get involved in these things that are anti-Christ, we're supporting that thing. We're lending our yes and amen to something that God might not be in the middle of. I'm getting somewhere with this, so just track with me. But if I'm going to change the earth because the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, do we believe that? If I'm going to change the earth because it belongs to Him and he's, He has me on this earth, He redeemed me to redeem the earth. Yeah, that's right. He redeemed you Amen. to be a part of redeeming the earth. Amen. And if I'm going to change the earth, I have to position myself to disrupt its normal pattern. So designed disruption is our intentional efforts to further God's kingdom rather than blindly supporting current culture. Just because it is does not matter, does not mean it has to be. Just because it has come around doesn't mean it has to stay around. Just because they're talking about it today does not mean it can't be silenced tomorrow. Is anybody hearing me in this room this morning? We don't silence what we don't speak to. We don't change what we don't insert ourselves into. The kingdom of God is, in our mind, seems like this place. Seems like a container that within it exists everyone who loves Him. And from our perspective, because we think of kingdom, we think of a location a geographical approach to this the kingdom of God is not a geographical approach the kingdom of God is the way of thinking that has no boundaries the kingdom of God is is the way we live there's no boundaries there is no United States and no Russia and no China and no whatever the kingdom of God is bigger than that it's bigger than the earth it's bigger than the universe the kingdom of God is wherever God is and wherever his people can be found so in order to disrupt in the middle of that, what I can address today is this earth and this part of the kingdom of God, I have a responsibility to disrupt some things within it. You have a responsibility to disrupt some things within it. And that can only be done when we no longer blindly support the current culture. I was meeting with somebody recently and I had asked him to, uh, he kept calling me Pastor Pat, he called me Pastor about 50 times in in a matter of 30 minutes and I I love uh, he's a great guy I love the guy but he kept calling me pastor 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 and the first time we met he kept saying pastor and I explained to him and I'm just going to give you the 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 skinny and uh, he called me pastor and I said you know what I'd rather be called Steve I really like my name my name has meaning to me. I really like my name. So if, if you don't mind just calling me Steve. He said, well, I can't do that because of my culture. And he said that in the first meeting. And, and then we talked about it for a second and then went on. Well, we met again. And he kept saying, Steve, 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 T. And I listened to him for about 30 minutes. And he kept saying, Steve, Steve, Steve. And I said, well, we got let's. breaks. He kept, saying pastor. he kept saying pastor. And I said, whoa, 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 breaks, breaks. I said, you got to stop doing that. You got to stop calling me pastor. And he's from another country. And he said, you gotta, I said, you got to stop calling me pastor. And he said, I can't do that. I said, well, it's disrespectful to me. I said, because when we met the first time, you said that you call me pastor out of respect. But who are you respecting? Who is it you're respecting? Because you're not respecting me. I said, I'll call you pastor because that's what you like. And you, you feel like that's fitting and good, and that's great. I'll do that, no problem. You're comfortable with that. But I'm not. I'm more than a pastor. I'm a teacher. I'm a visionary. I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a friend. I'm an uncle. I'm a nephew. I'm a son. I said so. I'm an apostle. I'm a poppy. Of the most enjoyable kind. But I said, it's disrespectful to me. And he said, it's disrespectful to me that you're, you feel disrespected. <laughs> and I said, I can't help how you feel. This is about me. You're calling me pastor, and, and I want to be called Steve because I, I like my name. Right. Someone chose that for me. Took time to consider it what it means so I like my name and he said well in my culture he said you just can't do that he said so you know where I'm from and he told me where and I know we knew where he was from but he said where I'm from the country I'm from he said we don't do that it is extremely disrespectful and I can't do that I said what makes your culture more important than mine (laughs) you're in the United States why is your culture (laughs) take why does it take precedence over mine I said in fact what does culture have to do with it because wherever culture exists we immediately draw lines well there's a black culture, white culture, Asian culture we immediately begin to draw lines that God never drew in fact in the scripture the bible set tells us that he tore down the dividing walls of partition between us there's no more Jew or Gentile there's no more none of that So I said very kindly, I said, so get culture out of it because God doesn't care about culture. He's totally disinterested. And if there's anybody under the sound of my voice today and you're listening, you're you're hearing some things for the first time and bells are going off in your mind. I just want to tell you today, if you relate to a culture, if you go around and you live your life and you say, well, this is my culture, this is my culture, change your culture. Shed the culture and say, you know what, this is the kingdom. And I think that's part of the issue is today we identify more with what is of the world than we do with what is of God. So we're very comfortable saying, oh, man, you know, that's, that's the white culture or that's the black culture or that's the whatever culture. And, and we're all identifying in that, you know, don't mess with my culture. Well, the reality is God's He's trying to tear that culture apart yeah. yes, until we are a kingdom yeah. of sons and daughters. Yeah. Is anybody hearing me today? Yeah. So I want to tell you the rest of the story. So we're sitting there and, and I shared that with him and, and he had a great attitude about it. And, and he said, oh, Okay. Okay, you know, and I could tell. He was just, it was just like, ah, I don't know if I can do that. And, and then I got a text from him later that day about something. He sent me a text, and he sent it, and he said, hey, Pastor Steve, he said, blah, um, blah, 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 blah. And I never responded to it. Didn't even respond as though I never got it. Didn't respond. And I wouldn't have. And then about 10 minutes later, he sent me a text, and he said, I'm so sorry. This is new to me and I'm going to do my very best. Steve, and then he said the same thing, and I quickly responded. But that's disruption. I can tell you, since that first meeting and that second meeting, I promise you, I don't know because I didn't ask him, how many times have you considered that since then? But I promise you, since those meetings, he's considered over and over in his mind, Man, that culture thing that he said, man, that just really set me free from restraints that were on me based on I felt identifiable with this culture. But the truth is I should be identifying with the kingdom of God. And and if you want to honor somebody, honor isn't what I want to give. Honor is what they're worthy of. And in this case, I'm worthy of Steve because someone gave me Steve. So design disruption, again, it is our intentional efforts to further God's kingdom rather than blindly support culture because I could have sat there and I could have blindly said, okay, I'm just going to give in. Just keep calling me pastor. And listen, if you're in this house, you're new to this house, and you call me pastor and you're comfortable with that, if that's your way, feel free to do that until you understand. I like my name a lot, but you're probably going to get more of my attention by calling me Steve than you are Pastor. Do I pastor? Sure I do. Do I teach? Sure I do. Do I prophesy? Sure I do. Do I father? Sure I do. Nobody comes around. None of you come to me and say father. (laughs) Am I a husband? Yes. None of you come to me and say husband except for my wife. No, she doesn't do that (laughs) Design disruption is to see what is before us and not accept it as the final answer. To recognize this is what I this is what's going on. Yeah. Yes. Listen, we weren't born into the kingdom of God. We didn't. Be, he didn't breathe His breath into us mm-hmm. to walk blindly. That's right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. If you're in the kingdom of God and you shut your eyes to everything so that you don't have to address it, do this. Go like this this morning. And if you're one of those that are like, I don't don't really want to see because what I see I have to address, go like this. Go. And if you're beside somebody and their eyes are closed right now, reach over to them and go. (laughs) Kimber, get cold because I saw his eyes are closed. No. (laughs) Consider this. Consider the moment when Jesus knew that there was not one single person in the world who believed in Him. Have you ever thought about that? Believe it. There was an actual moment where Christ was Savior. Not one disciple had been called. Not one message had yet been preached. Not one miracle yet had to be performed. Not one. There was a moment that not one single person knew or believed that he was Jesus Christ. Now, he could have done this. He could have said, knowing, 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 when he came into the earth, knowing that no one on the planet knows that I'm the Messiah yet. Not one person. That's just crazy to think about, isn't it? But he knows. No one on the planet knows that I'm the Messiah yet, and here I am. Now, I can make a choice. It's really easy to be unknown. It's really easy to be invisible. It's easy to live my life when nobody can see me because I know when they start seeing me, I know what's at the end of that rope. But it would have been really easy for him to do that and he could have said, you know what? I, I think I'm just going to be neutral. I'm just going to accept that there is sin, but I'm also going to take this position. I'm going to leave it up to God. He's going to find another answer because I, you know, I'm not all about shaking the boat. I'm not all about being that voice. I'm not all about being that guy. Don't you know I don't want to talk? Don't you know? I, and the whole time the father's saying, son, tag, you're it. You know what the father's saying to you this morning? Tag, you're it. Tag, you're it. He knew nobody. He knew nobody. Not one single person in the world believed in Him. And He changed that. How? Because He disrupted the pattern that existed. He went in and He went over to this guy. And He said, Come with me. Well, who are you? Come with me and find out. And He went over to this guy. Come with me. Who are you? Let's go find out. He went over to this guy on the boat. Follow me. And suddenly, days before, no one on the planet knew that he's the Messiah, except his mama. Mamas know everything. Days before, no one knows who he is. All of a sudden, this one walks with him. And this one walks with him. And he doesn't go to them and say, oh, Caesar's terrible. The Roman Empire is, ah. We're going to fight. Get us swords. Get us shields. Get us chariots. Get us horses because we're going to battle. Yeah. He doesn't do that with the disciples. He says, Let me tell you a story. There's a field. Yeah. And in that field, there's a guy out there walking and he scatters some seed. And you know what he does with that seed? As he scatters it, he's not concerned about how it's going to produce or what it's going to produce. All he does is he scatters that seed out there in the open field. And you know what, some of it's going to grow, some of it's not. Some of it's going to be weedy, some of it's going to get burned up, but some of it's going to produce great fruit. So you know what I want you all to do? I just want you to go be you. I want you to go be you with this knowledge that you know me. I want you to go wherever you go with this understanding that you know who I am and nobody can take that away from you. And suddenly, in their world, in their world, wait a minute, Yesterday, we were wringing the necks off birds. Today, you're taking us somewhere different. Can you tell me, do you think for a second that didn't disrupt? You know it disrupted. The very fact, the very reason, the very purpose in its disruption is the reason he hung on the cross. Actually, it's not why he hung on the cross, but it was a pathway to getting there. He hung on the cross out of obedience to his daddy. He changed everything. No one knew him because he disrupted the pattern that existed, he inserted himself into what was. Even though everything that was was contrary to who he was, he knew that in him the Father existed. And he began to insert himself. How? Because he introduced the glory of his Father into the world. And suddenly there was a clear view of two worlds. All of a sudden people are beginning to see, did you hear about Jesus? Did you hear about Jesus? Who's Jesus? This one said. Another one said, yes, where is he? I've got to be there. Where's he going to be next? Oh, he's going to be over here. I'm there. What time? And I'm going to be there. Why? Because there was an insertion of self. There was an insertion of faith. There was a willingness to say, this is the pattern, and there's no chance. I mean, Jesus could have said, this world is so big, I have no chance of changing it. There's so many people. How will I ever even reach every single one of them? But you know what? He didn't do that. He did not do that. He said, "You know what? I know what my purpose is, and I'm going to touch one. Who's going to touch one? 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 I'm going to change one. Who's going to change one? Who's going to change one? Who's going to change ten? And I'm going to change this one. And I'm going to heal this one. Who's going to lay hands on that one and believe for healing? And this one and this they're going to lead. And this is how we're going to do it. You know what? He didn't meet every single person who was on the planet." He didn't touch every person on the planet. In fact, he didn't touch every single person who came to him. But what he did was he inserted himself in the glory of God. He inserted it into the earth to such an extent. It disrupted by design, by God's design. Disrupted the status quo. It disrupted what was going on in the earth. See, and here's the crazy thing. Oil and water don't mix. And you know that. If I took a bowl of water and I put some oil in it, Immediately you'd see it do all that it does, but that oil and water, you're not going to mix that together. You can stir that as much as you want to. You're not mixing that oil and water. It's never going to happen. And we are the oil of the earth. We are that oil. We're the oil of God being poured out into this world. And I can tell you what he's looking for is for you and me to make a difference. And it doesn't mean we get in there and we try to blend in with the water so that you can't tell where we start and it stops. He said, make a difference. And search yourself. Y'all don't have to come up here today. It's okay. Thank you. They were getting ready. They're on go. (laughs) They were listening for my words. I I start talking slower and they know. (laughs) I got to speed it up. What does it look like for you and me to introduce the glory of God into our world? I'm not going to finish all of this, so I'm going to read this chapter and then I'm going to do something. Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16 says this. says, you're the light of the world. You're a city that is set on a hill and you cannot be hidden. And neither do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but instead they put it on a stand. And it gives light to everybody that's in that house. And in the same way, he said, let your light so shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Design disruption is knowing who we are and knowing who it is that's working in us. Knowing who it, who it is that's actually doing miracles within us, who's changed our life, who's allowed our eyes to see and our ears to hear. Design disruption is not saying I'm taking a neutral position and, and, you know, it's just better if I don't let people know that I know God. No, I can tell you today, no matter what the outcome might be, I can tell you this, Austin, it's better that people do know that you know God. That's right. Because by knowing that you know God and by living like you know God, That's right. they may know God. Amen. So let me do a little dis- demonstration for you this morning. I'm going to make it real clear. Now zoom in on this, fellas, for the people that are watching online. So this bowl represents the world that we live in today. That's what this bowl is. This little glass bowl is the world. These little styrofoam balls represent the spirit of the Antichrist. It is everything that's contrary to God that's in the world. That's what these represent. This is, it's just full. Everywhere you go, everywhere you go, it seems almost impossible. It seems like the world is so full of that that is opposed to God that it would be impossible to dispel that that is opposed of God and to supplant it with the glory of God. Seems almost impossible. How can we change this? How am I going to get these things out of there without becoming a part of that? I'm going to tell you something today. This water represents you and me. It represents those of us who are sons and daughters of God. It represents those of us who are hearing and obeying. It represents those of us that are not taking a neutral position. We're not going to battle. We're not going to war. We're simply being who God created us to be. We have a voice. We make a difference. When we, when we sit at the restaurant, when we stand in the line, we don't do things that the world looks like or the world does and finds worldly. We do what represents the Father. We live to honor Him with our words, with our actions. And for some of us, that's going to require a lot more change today than it did for others. A lot more. For some of us today... You might feel like, whew, man, I got a lot of repentant to do because I feel like I'm more in it than I am out of it. I I feel like there's things in me that need to be dispelled, and that might be true, and probably is. But this is what I know. The glory of God isn't concerned with how much is in you that is opposed to Him. What He's concerned with is will you allow Him to fill you to the place where that anointing begins to dispel everything that's in you that isn't of Him. So this, water, represents you and me. It represents the glory of God. This bowl is the world. Those styrofoam balls are everything opposed to God. This is what happens when we begin to sow ourselves into, when we begin to put ourselves and insert ourselves into the world. This is what happens. Very simply, without noise, without death, without danger, suddenly is that... Glory begins to fill that bowl. Everything else begins to get dispelled. And the more you fill it, I'm not going to fill it more because that bowl's full, but you get the picture. Everything that is not of God begins to flow out of that thing. And it's not because that water was fighting with a styrofoam ball. The water wasn't trying to be the styrofoam and the styrofoam didn't care to be the water. But that, that was not of God was forced to relent to that that was of God. And I can tell you today, for you and me, with you and me, that that is in you that is of God, if you will insert it into your home, insert that into your job, insert that part of God in you, into your communication, where you go, what you do, how you fellowship, what you say, if you will insert God into that, I want to tell you, that insertion of the glory of God will begin to dispel and displace everything that is not of Him until suddenly you begin to see something you've never seen before. Suddenly, you'll be be able to visualize yourself as a son or a daughter of God. Those styrofoam balls could not in any way contest the anointing that was just poured into it. It had two choices. Either I will repent and I will become a part of the glory or I will deny and I will be part of that that is dispelled. So I'm telling you today you and I are called for this thing to disruption by design. The reason the Father created you the way that He did with a mind and with personality is for this reason. Because not every bowl is shaped like this. Not every environment is shaped like this. He needs your personality to be poured into whatever your world looks like. He needs your personality to be poured into, maybe yours is square, and he needs yours to be poured in to whatever that world looks like. By design, he gave you your specific personality, he gave you your voice. He gave you your wit. He gave you your intelligence. He gave you whatever it is, the instruments, the tools, the anointings, the gifts that you have. He gave them to you on purpose so that by design, you can bring His glory into the earth, into those places where your personality, your gifts, the anointing He has placed in you, can do its greatest work. We're going to change the world. And we're going to change it not because every Sunday morning we gather together and we say, God... Fix the world. People don't come to church because we tell them to. They come because they see the evidence of Christ in you. And I'm going to say something I said at intercession Wednesday morning. People don't stop dying violently because guns are taken away. They stop because the glory of God and His nature fills the earth. And I could go on and on. And I know there are a lot of different people with a lot of different ideas, but I'm going to tell you something. This, is, this I know to be true. If the glory of God filled the whole earth, there wouldn't even be a need for a gun. Well, maybe, unless you're a hunter. If the glory of God filled the earth, there'd be no violence. If the glory of God filled the earth, there'd be no confusion. No Babylon spirit. Does anybody hear me in here today? Let me read this last. John 15, 8 says this. says, By this my Father is glorified. By this, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and prove, demonstrate that you are my disciples. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to ask you a question. Let me think how I want to do this. Okay, let me ask it. Let me do it this way. You don't have to bow your heads or close your eyes. You can if you want to. But is there anybody here among us under the sound of my voice? Is there anybody here today? And you'll say, Steve Parker, I do not know Jesus Christ. And I, today, I know I I need to know him. I need to repent. I need to come to him. I need to be a part of his purpose. I need to stop running. I need to stop trying to find another way. Is there anybody here? You'll lift your hand. Just lift your hand. Let me see it if you're here. Now let me ask you this. How many in here, are there any in here that believe that you're a sinner? Does anyone believe you're a sinner? Hold your hand up. You believe you're a sinner. Hold your hand up. If you believe, go ahead and hold it up high. You believe you're a sinner. I want all the sinners to hold their hand up. Okay, quite a few. This is what I want to tell you today. If you're a sinner right now, why weren't you a sinner a minute ago when I asked, who needs Jesus? I want to help you understand something. The glory of God cannot fill a temple of sin. It fills a temple of righteousness. All through Scripture, and I can get into it another day, or privately if you want to. But all through Scripture, He points out, once you come to Him, you're no longer a sinner. In fact, it is sin that He saves us from. Is that not true? There's a reason I'm doing that this morning because I know the people that raised their hand and I I see every one of them that raised their hand in this room, those that I saw that raised their hand in this room. I can tell you, as far as I know, you know God, but yet you still identify with sin. wonder what happens when you no longer identify with sin and instead identify with glory. What changes in our life when we no longer identify as sin? Now, I know that, you know, we, we lay claim to that. Well, we're all sinners, all have sinned and fallen short of the righteousness of God. That's true. All have sinned. But it doesn't mean that all keep sinning. Are you hearing me today? Yes, sir. So when I said, does anybody need Jesus Christ? Hold your hand up. No one did. But when I said, how many believe they're sinners? And this is, no, I'm just using, I hope you don't mind me using you as an example because I want to set you free today. Yeah. So I want to set you free this morning yeah. because I can tell you, we can do our greatest work outside of sin. Yeah. And he said, These, you're going to do what I did. In fact, you're going to do greater things than that. In order to do greater things, what he doesn't do is send sinners out. To win the lost. In fact, he never has. The sinner hasn't been sent to be a testimony, nor a witness. Is anybody hearing me today? So, when I said that, do you, anyone need Christ? No response. Are there any sinners among us? And numerous people lifted their hand. I want to say to you that lifted your hand or those that didn't and thought you should. You are either a child of God or you are not. You are either saved from sin which is what He went to the cross to do, I believe or you still exist in sin. Either He delivers fully or He does not deliver at all. He sets free completely. A complete work. Or he is not even Christ at all. That's what Paul said. It's either complete or hasn't even happened. So what I want to say to those of you that lifted your hand, I'm going to pray for you today. There's quite a few of you. And I'm going to pray for you today that you can get the revelation that when you received Jesus Christ into your heart, and if you have not done that, I'm hoping that today you do. But when He came into you, He did not come in to make it easier for you to endure sin. He did not change your life. The change wasn't that you could become complicit with sin. The change wasn't that you could be bedfellows with sin. The change came that you could be free from sin so that He could completely indwell who you are and change everything about you. Is anybody hearing me today? So I want to pray for you because it's important to me that if you're willing that you leave here not a sinner today, but you leave here with this confidence that you are a child of God that He has miraculously transformed. You were this creature, this creation. Now you're this one. You were outside of glory and now you're in glory. You were unrighteous. Now you're righteous because of His grace. Not because of what you do on your own, but because of His grace. It's important to me because I am determined. This earth or this world that is our world, Seminole County, Sanford, this that we live in and dwell in and and have been given responsibility over as a body of Christ, I'm determined they're going to know you and they're going to know me. They're not going to know us because we're not sure if we're with Him or not. They're going to know us because our confidence is He has completely redeemed me. Does that mean that you're never going to sin or make a mistake? No. It just means that that's no longer your nature. It's no longer your nature. I would tell you on any given day of the week about my children. They're all adults now, but I would tell you any any given day of the week, at any age that they were. If someone would have come and said, do you have good kids or bad kids? And I would tell you, they're the best kids. And to say that would not be lying against the truth from mine and my wife's perspective. Even if that morning they were the worst kid. Yeah. <laughs> come on. And I'll tell you why. Because whatever happened that morning was not their nature. It was not their every day. Their nature was to laugh and to smile and to run and to play and get dirty and eat worms. No, I just threw that in there, but they didn't eat worms. They did carry grasshoppers in their pocket. Lizards and frogs. So I'm saying this today, I'm going to pray for you today. Because there's people among us, you, you lifted your hand and you told us, you, you believe you're sinners. I want to tell you today, if you believe that with all of your heart, I want you to repent and ask God to give you a revelation of what it is to be a son. And ask Him to heal your heart. Forgive you of whatever sin you continue to lay upon yourself that makes you believe that that's your identity. And He will liberate you from that. I believe that. And someone might be saying, "Well, it's just a misunderstanding." I, you know, I just kind of confuse it because there's, there's still some bad stuff in me. <laughs> bad stuff doesn't make us sinners, as long as we hear the voice of God and allow Him to change us. Amen. Bad stuff makes us sinners if I don't trust Him and I don't give it to Him. So, <clears throat> Father, today I lift my voice. Come on, everybody, lift your hands in this room. Father, I lift my voice. Whether they're watching online or in this room today, I lift my voice over every man and woman, every, every single person with my eyes wide open. I'm looking at all around this room, and I'm praying today, Father, for your glory. I'm praying that every man and woman understand today who they are in you. I'm praying if there's any among us that believe that their life is d- identified with sin, I pray today that, Father, two things happen. Forgive them, change them, heal them, if they've never come to you before and never repented to you before. But Father, if they've been in relationship with you and they just haven't come to the revelation that you redeemed them from that sin, I pray today that that revelation will be sown right into the middle of their heart. Let them see today. How great and awesome are you today, Father? How great and awesome are you? I believe today, Yahweh God, that you have set people free. I believe that you have empowered your sons and daughters. I believe that you've caused us to see again, to be reminded again of what our purpose is in this earth. No matter what we do for a living, for the kingdom, we are one. And Father, I thank you today for your word. Thank you for your anointing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. Come on, put your hands together. This morning.